Sunday School. I do not own the rights to that song. That is our kingdom brother, Toby Matt, and Blessing 04. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that song. That title of that song is called The Goodness. 
and it's very appropriate for what we're talking about on tonight because we are continuing the conversation on the Godhead. We're talking about God again on tonight, and He is good. He is better than good. He is God. So hallelujah. Thank you to everyone who is on the Podbean app. I see y'all in the room. Miss D, Sister Jamie, Prophetess, welcome. And those of you who are on the live stream um, from my website, that's perfectly fine. You can stay on my website if you would like. But at the end of the teaching on non-Sunday school, I always open up the floor um, for you to interact, ask questions, give feedback concerning the lesson or what the word that went forth on um, the lesson. So if you want to be able to interact and ask questions or interact with one another, because they be talking back and forth in the chat as well amongst each other. So um, if you want to chat amongst one another or ask questions from me once we're done with the lesson, then go ahead and get on your um, Play Store, your app store download the Podbean app it's p-o-d-b-e-a-n um, and that way you can join the room and interact with us um, but we're gonna go ahead and get started with prayer on tonight i'm super super duper excited um, about this lesson on tonight because we're in the middle of a series understanding the godhead and y'all who've already been here for non-sunday school y'all know we kind of went over god last week and I thought that we were going to be jumping on the Holy Spirit this week, but God said, no, let's go back to me. So I, I was under the impression that most people um, didn't really have a problem explaining who God is um, because, you know, for whatever reason, they're more familiar. Like we hear about God all the time in churches, even in the Baptist church where I grew up, they didn't really teach a lot on Holy Spirit, but everything was about God and Jesus. So... I was under the impression that, you know, everybody knew about God. Maybe there's some that's on the replay that needs to know more. So, hey, this is God's room. I'm just his servant. So he tells me what to feed his sheep, and that is what I do. So on tonight, I'm excited because it's a different kind of lesson, and um, you'll find out why in just a minute. But let's go ahead and get started with prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for blessing us to come together again as students of your word, Father. We thank you for the lesson that you are teaching us, the lessons that you have been teaching us uh, concerning who you are and who the Godhead is and the three-in-oneness of who you are, Father. God, you, you being the Father, you being the Son, and you being Holy Spirit. So I thank you for continuing that lesson on tonight revealing to us more about who you are father holy spirit as always this room belongs to you so i submit i yield to you right now in the name of jesus i ask you to just take over my tongue let no words come out of my mouth except what the father desires to be said on tonight in the name of jesus and i thank you holy spirit that as you promise, if there are questions concerning this interview that we're doing on tonight, if there are questions in the room that someone would like to ask of you, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you will give those answers that they're seeking on tonight. So in the name of Jesus, I submit this room to you, Holy Spirit, take over in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, again, blessings and welcome, y'all, back to non-Sunday school. Again, we're in the middle of the series, Understanding the Godhead. This is, is really part three because we started off talking about Yahweh Kana, uh, the God whose name is Jealous. And then after that, God said, do the series on the Godhead. So on last week, 
we talked about who God is in the Godhead and we also talked about Jesus um, who Jesus is as a member of the Godhead. If you missed last week's lesson, it is up for replay on my website. You can also listen to the replay on the Podbean app. Um, so we do go through a lot of scripture in non-Sunday school. Again, tonight is going to be a bit different. You'll see why in just a moment. But even though it's different, we're still going to go through some scripture. So I challenge you to get your Bible. I read a lot from the King James Version of the Bible. I also use the NASB Version of the Bible. Um, and if you don't have a Bible with you, feel free to go to BibleGateway.com where you can pull up one for free. And before I get started, let me do a mic check. So those of you who are on the Podbean app, is my audio coming through okay? Can you guys, ladies and gentlemen, if there are any gentlemen in the room? Okay, awesome. Thank you, Miss D. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and jump into it. So this is so exciting, y'all. So on tonight, we are doing an interview with God. So when Holy Spirit told me this, I was kind of like, huh? Okay, but that, that makes sense because God, my assignment in the earth is a prophet, which is God's mouthpiece. So I was like, okay, God, you know, have your way. This is what you want to do. Show me how to do it. We'll do it. So tonight, understanding the Godhead part two. So we brought we broke down some of the things about who God is on last week when we talked about God and Jesus, but on this week, we are doing an interview with God, okay? So again, on last week, we discussed who Jesus is in the Godhead, his position, his role in the Godhead, as well as Yahweh, El, Jehovah, you know, who God is in the Godhead as well. Um, so again, on tonight, God wants us to further the conversation about who he is in the Godhead, and so we shall. So again, this lesson is going to be a bit different in that I'm led of Holy Spirit to do this lesson as an interview with God. Um, so as God's prophetic servant, I'm one that God uses at his, as his mouthpiece in the earth. Um, that's my calling. So on tonight, God has given me questions that others have asked about him. These are, le these are legit questions. I actually, um, when he said do an interview with me, I really didn't know what questions to ask because I'm like, well, what questions would people want to ask God? I mean, I know I have my own questions that I come to him with and he answers those questions, but my questions may not be the questions that everybody else has. So anyway, I went online and I found this um, Baptist survey that they did amongst thousands of students, thousands of believers, and they did a survey with, if you could ask God one question, what would that question be? And so they were some really powerful questions that were presented. And so those are the questions that I took down and Holy Spirit gave me the response and I wrote down the response just as he said. Now, once this lesson is done, if you have any questions you would like to ask God, like I said in the beginning, feel free to ask them. And if Holy Spirit desires to answer through me, he will do so. For every interview question that we're doing on tonight, for every interview question that we're doing with God on tonight, I will be taking you through scripture. Not that God needs me to confirm anything he says, but so that you as a student of God's word can verify that what I am saying as a clay vessel in this earth aligns with what God's written word says, because God will never say anything that contradicts his word. As we learned last week, God is his word. They are one. And he's not going to say anything that contradicts it. So we're going to jump 
right into this interview. Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing us to be able to do this interview with you on tonight. I'm going to read the questions and I'm going to give them exactly what you told me to say to them, your response verbatim, and I'm not going to add to it and I'm not going to take away from what you said in Jesus' name. So the first question, and again, these are legit questions that people have for God. The first question was, how can I know for sure how to get to heaven? That was That's the first question to God. God's response is this. How can I know for sure how to get to heaven? God says, I have told you in my word how to spend eternity with me. And that is through my son, Jesus. He is the way for you to have eternal life. He is the only way. You must receive by faith that what I have said to you is true. I am God. I cannot lie. There are many who think they will spend eternity with me because of all the works they have done, which man has called good works. Man's good works are as dumb and does not secure your soul. My son is your only security. So if you had that question, how can you know for sure how to get into heaven? That is God's response to you. Again, I told you that I'm not confirming anything that God says, but I'm just going to give you scripture so that you can go back and study for yourself and seek God for yourself to see that that response is Bible accurate. It does not contradict his word. So let's go to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. And, and this is Jesus speaking, by the way, to his disciples. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Next scripture. This is Psalm chapter 14, verse 3. I'm sorry, verses 1 through 3. And it says, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So remembering God's response, he said that man's good works are dumb. Like your good is not going to get you into heaven. Psalm 14 is where you can find a scripture backing that up. All right. So the next question that we have for you, Father, is why is there so much suffering in the world? Why do bad things happen to good people? And the Lord would say, nothing can happen in the world unless mankind allows it. Just as I have set boundaries for the seas and for the heavens, and they obey, I also have set boundaries for mankind, yet they do not obey. 
disobedience to my boundaries has severe consequences and that is why the adversary diligently tempts mankind to cross those boundaries my dominion and my kingdom is above you your dominion and your kingdom is in the earth because your dominion and kingdom is in the earth nothing can happen in the earth unless you allow it unless mankind allows it therefore I do not cause suffering in the world. I only allow what mankind has chosen. As God as I am, I will not overstep my own word that gives you dominion and total rule in the earth. I only get involved in the matters of men when one in your kingdom invites me into those matters. If I am not invited, I do not come and man is left to defend his own earthly kingdom from the adversary. If I am not invited, man is left to suffer and defend himself against the adversary whose intent is to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm going to give you scriptures. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Again, if you're just joining the live one tonight, we are in the middle of a series that we're doing on the Godhead understanding the triuneness of God, the three in oneness of God. We talked about God last week. We talked about Jesus last week. And on this week, God said he wanted to do an interview. We're doing an interview with God. So we're giving God questions that believers have for him. And he's answering those questions through me, his prophet, his servant. I don't even like using the title prophet because my title is for the devil to know who I am. I, in the earth, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just a servant, but I'm a prophetic servant. All right, so Genesis chapter one, verse 26 through 28, it says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So you can see God has given us dominion. The earth belongs to us. We control what happens in the earth. Isaiah chapter 59 verses 1 through 21. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. 
Their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Therefore is judgment far from us. Neither doth justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noon, day is in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. We roar all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far off from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord, and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart's heart words of falsehood, and judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate, and an helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay, fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he will repay recompense. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him and the redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression. Jacob saith the Lord, Jacob, I'm sorry, transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words, which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. So you can see there all the things that's happening in the earth. And God is looking for the intercessor. Who's the one that's going to stand in the gap to operate and exercise the dominion that I gave them so that all this suffering that's going on in the world can be intercepted by the intercessor? So that all these bad things that keep happening to quote unquote good people can be intercepted by the intercessor. So you heard God's response and there are some scriptures that I just read to back it up. Thank you, Father. So the next question we have for you, God, is why did my loved one have to die? Why did my loved one have to die? And the Lord was saying, it is never my intention nor my will for mankind to have a short life. I promised you long life and abundant life. That is my covenant. I am a covenant God. I have never reneged on my covenant. 
My covenant is written in eternity and has already been fulfilled on my end. For mankind to experience the promises of my covenant, they must heed to the boundaries outlined in the covenant. My covenant is two-sided. I have already done my part that I promised that I have promised. I did it before the foundations of the world. I did it before I formed you in your mother's womb. I am a God of boundaries. I set them. I instruct you how to stay within them. My covenant includes boundaries mankind must follow so as to not breach my covenant. I would not have you ignorant of those boundaries. I have clearly outlined those boundaries in my word. I left you my word. I left you those instructions, but you must read them. Ignorance of my boundaries does not exempt mankind from the consequences of crossing those boundaries. If mankind chooses to breach my covenant through disobeying my instructions, because I am a God of my word, I must honor what my covenant says will happen when the covenant is breached. I am the just God. I honor justice even when it grieves my heart to do so. I desire that no man should perish, but I honor my word. I have given mankind a choice to choose life or choose death. Life is guaranteed when the boundaries of my covenant are not violated by mankind. Death is guaranteed when those boundaries are violated. And it is not I that caused the death. When my covenant is breached, the adversary comes to steal, kill, and destroy however he pleases. And he retains that right until the breach covenant has been repaired. The only thing that can repair a breach covenant is repentance and turning your heart back to me so that I am your God and you are again my people. So that is God's response to why did my loved one have to die? We're going to go through some scriptures. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All right, and then I'm not going to read these two, um, but I'm going to give it to you so you can look it up and read it on your own time because they're quite lengthy. But I need you to write down Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 68. That's one of God's covenants, and it outlines specifically the blessings that happen when there is no breach covenant, and it also outlines the things that happen when the covenant is breach. I want you to write down Deuteronomy chapter 32 verses 1 through 52 read that as well uh, for those who worship false gods and idols the bible tells us not to make covenant with those also he tells us not to make covenant with those who worship false gods or idols it tells us a lot about the people we're to surround ourselves with um, when we choose to disregard god's instructions whether it's people that we're making covenant with, people that we're surrounding ourselves with, if God has clearly put in his word who we are to attach ourselves with and associate ourselves with and we violate those instructions, then we willfully remove ourselves from the safety of God's protection. All right, in Exodus 23, verses 32 through 33, it says, "'Thou shalt make no covenant with them nor with their gods.'" They shall not, and 
covenant is the Greek word berith. I'm sorry, covenant is actually the Hebrew word berith, B-E-R-I-T-H. And it means to ally with or make an exchange for mutual benefit. So thou shall make no ally with or make no exchange for mutual benefit with them nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. So that's letting you know that's another way you can breach that covenant by the people you're connected with and by what you're doing, you know, in violation of God's covenant yourself. All right. Next scripture, Deuteronomy chapter seven, verses one through six. It says, um, yeah, Deuteronomy chapter seven, verses one through six says, when the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it and have cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Parasites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them from before, deliver them before thee, Thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them, Ye shall destroy their altars and break down their images and cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. See, I know we've already talked about Yahweh Kana, the God whose name is Jealous. So God wants us to be his people and him to be our God. And when we connect ourselves with others who are aligned with false gods, he's telling us it's going to be a snare to you. It's not that it might be a snare to you. It's going to be a snare to you. So I feel led to tell you this. Those of you who have not um, been on the nuns of the Sunday schools and heard me teach on it, um, I did a whole um, few hours teaching where I'm talking about relationships of Baal. If you have not heard that and you don't understand what I, you don't understand first the response that God said to that question and you don't understand the scriptures that I read or anything that I'm saying about making covenant and who you're supposed to be around, who you're not supposed to be around, go to my website when you get a chance as you are led of the Holy Spirit. Go to faizaimani.com, click on Holy Smoke. There is a lesson that I did there, a prophetic lesson actually. Um, it's called holy smoke relationships of bail irreconcilable differences so that will bless your life all right thank you father for answering that question so our next question father that we have for you is why did my parent walk out and leave us with nothing why did my parent walk out and leave us with nothing and the lord would say i commissioned your parent to give you life i did not commission them to raise you you must trust that I only allowed what would ultimately work out for your good. I am your father. I am your mother. Oh, how I long for you to long for me as you have longed for your earthly parent, because I have so much more to offer you. I created you in my image and in my likeness. I have great plans for your life 
and would not allow the adversary to work through an earthly parent to hinder my plans. I know that them leaving you pain your heart, but it was for your good. I knew you to trust that it was for your good. That piece of your life will make sense once you surrender it to me. Only forgive your parents. The adversary meant it as evil towards you, but I, in my sovereignty, allowed it for your good. So that is God's response to you if you had that question. Now let's go to scripture. Psalm 27, verses 9 through 11. It says, Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my mother and my father, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. So you can see there, when your father and your mother forsake you, or if they weren't there for you, or one was there and the other wasn't, or maybe neither of them were there and you were given away, you were adopted. The word says, God, God will step in and be that mother. He will step in and be that father if you will allow him to. Thank you, Father, for answering that question. So our next question for you, Father, our next question for you is, what was your temptation with homosexuality since the Bible says God has been through what we've been through? What was your temptation with homosexuality since the Bible says God has been through what we've been through? And the Lord would answer that question by saying, my word does not say my son Jesus was tempted by every sin mankind could be tempted with. My son was tempted in every category a man could be tempted, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Yet he did not yield to the temptations, for there was no sin in him. I led my son by my Holy Spirit into the presence of the adversary for the sole purpose of being tempted because I knew he would not yield. He is holy as I am holy. The purpose of me leading him to be tempted was so that you would have a high priest and a mediator speaking to me on your behalf, passionately pleading for mercy towards you as one who knows what it is like to be tempted. Homosexuality was never a temptation for my son because there was nothing perverse in him. Only my Holy Spirit dwelt in him therefore a spirit of perversion never entered into his temple so if you had that question that will be god's response to that question for you and i have a couple of scriptures to read as well so first john chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 it says love not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. All right, so let's go Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. It says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, 
he was afterward and hungered. And when the temp and we went through this um, scripture last week when we were talking about who Jesus is in the Godhead, and we talked about the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and how this scripture shows that he was tempted in all three of those areas just in this scripture. So if you missed last week, go back and listen to it. All right, but we are not going to interrupt God's interview on tonight. We're going to keep it moving, and I'll let you go back and study that on your own. All right, so verse 2. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus saith unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thy serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. All right, and so I think I skipped a couple of verses there, but go back and read it. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20 through 21. It says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God, for he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jude chapter, I'm sorry, Jude um, verses six through eight. And this is from the NASB version. And it says, um, and this is just showing you how there is a spirit of perversion. And because Jesus had Holy Spirit, the spirit of perversion cannot enter Jesus. And the spirit of perversion is what causes homosexuality. But Jude, verses 6 through 8, it says, And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper dwelling place, these he has kept in eternal restraints under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they are in the same way as these angels indulged in sexual perversion and went after a strange flesh. Those of you who know the story, Sodom and Gomorrah, the angels were, they were looking for men. Male angels was looking for men to sleep with. So it was like just homosexuality all over the place, just sexual perversion all over the place. So verse seven, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these angels, oh, and let me make that clear. Not God's angels, those were demonic angels doing that, just to be clear, okay? The devil also has his angels. They're just the bad ones. All right, but um, continuing on. Since they, in the same way as these angels indulged in sexual perversion and went after a strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Yet in the same way, these people also dreaming defile the flesh 
reject authority, and speak abusively of angelic majesties. So again, it's just talking about the spirit of perversion that was there for Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, another example, spirit of perversion, of there being a spirit of perversion. Leviticus um, chapter 18, verses 22 through 23, it says, um, you shall not sleep with the male as one sleeps with the female. It is an abomination. Also, you shall not have sexual intercourse with any animal to be defiled with it, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is a perversion. Basically, it's a perverse spirit. All right. So thank you, Heavenly Father, for answering that question. Our next question for you, Father, is, am I going to heaven? Am I going to heaven? And the Lord would say, are you? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. One must never set out on a journey without knowing the directions to get there. Beloved, I would not leave you ignorant and without instructions on how to get to your desired destination. I have shown you the way. I have told you the way. It is up to you to follow the way. My son is that way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. If you follow the right way, you will arrive at the right destination. So if you had that question, am I going to heaven? That, th that will be the Lord's response to you. All right, so let's go to John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John 14, verses 1 through 6, and this is Jesus speaking to the disciples. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Let's go to Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. And it says, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So thank you, Father, for answering that question. Our next question for you, Father, and for those of you who are just joining the live, on tonight we are doing an interview with God. So we are asking God questions, interview style, legit questions that believers from around the world have if they could ask God one question 
these are the questions that they would ask him and God through his Holy Spirit is giving that answer through me as his mouthpiece so I'm telling you verbatim what the Lord would say um, or is saying to those questions so if you had those questions you're getting your answers on tonight you take what I'm saying and you go before God in prayer yourself and let him speak to you concerning what you're hearing on tonight all right so thank you father so our next question for you father is um, if you can do anything then why did your son have to die if you can do anything then why did your son have to die and the Lord says because I can do anything I sent my son to die he didn't have to die I chose him to die I chose him to die because of my unconditional love for my creation had I not done so mankind would never be able to remain in my presence because I am a holy God that was the will of the adversary to keep me separated from you but because I am God I override the adversary because I am God I stepped down into the earth to reconcile you back to myself I made my son to be an eternal sacrifice reconciling you back to me I sent him as a sacrifice whose flesh and blood will never expire or run out on my altar so if you had that question that's the Lord's response to you so thank you father for that answer and our next question for you father is how can you love if you choose to send the majority of all humans to hell how can you love if you choose to send the majority of all humans to hell so if that is your question then God's response is I don't send humans to hell I left an instruction book which is my word advising every person born on the earth how to find their way back to me there is not one person born from the womb of a woman who will not hear at least one time that truth there is not one person born from the womb of a woman who will not be given at least one opportunity to accept the sacrifice of my son to secure their eternity with me my son knocks the on the door of every heart some choose not to open the door to let him in I would not be a just God if I did not show you how to get back to me and then punish you for not making your way back to me my instructions are clear they are written it is up to you to hear it is up to you to heed my instructions I set before every man life and death it is my desire that all would choose life however if one chooses death hell is their reward I don't choose hell for them they choose hell for themselves so if you had that question that is the Lord's response to you on tonight and I have a few scriptures for you so let's go to Matthew chapter 24 verse 14 it says this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come let's go to revelations chapter 3 verses 19 through 21 and i'm not expounding on anything tonight because i'm not about to interrupt god's interview with teaching i'm telling you what he said i'm giving you scripture um, so that you can look at this for yourself and then I'm gonna go to the next question and let God tell you what he wants to tell you on tonight so Revelation chapter 3 verses 19 through 21 it says as many as I love I rebuke and chasten 
Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. It says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 14 through 20. And it says, But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, and death and evil, and that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that thou mayest live and multiply and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away so that thou wilt not hear but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. So let's go to Revelation chapter 21, verses five through eight. And it says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death so thank you father for answering that question for us on tonight our next question for you father is was all my heartbreak as a child for a purpose was all my heartbreak as a child for a purpose and even though this person is asking if all their heartbreak as a child was for a purpose, let's just say heartbreak period. So we'll just say was all, Father, they wanna know was all my heartbreak for a purpose? All right, so the Lord's response to that question is, beloved, every painful experience you have ever experienced since I formed you in your mother's womb was for a purpose. However, it will only make sense when you forgive those who trespassed against you 
and surrender the pain to me. I will show you your purpose and put the puzzle of your life together so perfectly that you will forget you were ever broken. The adversary intended for the heartbreak to break you. I intended and do intend for it to make you. So that would be the Lord's response to those of you who are asking, was your heartbreak for a purpose? I have a few scriptures for you. Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, it says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And this is God speaking to Jeremiah, but the scripture goes for all of us, every single one of us born into this earth. Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So for Jeremiah, he was ordained to be a prophet to the nations. Not everybody is ordained to be a prophet nor a prophet to the nations, but God has ordained you for something as he just responded to that interview question. All right, so moving on. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I'm not teaching on tonight. I'm letting God answer the questions as he wants to. I'm giving scripture. And then it's your assignment to take it before God and hear God for yourself. So Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. So there is an expected end for you, okay? Romans chapter eight. Verses, but you got to seek God to find out what that expected in is. All right. So Romans chapter eight, verses 28 through 33. And it says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Justifieth means just as if it never happened. So whatever the heartbreak was, whatever the pain was, or whatever you did, whatever your past was, when you surrender it to God, he makes it just as if it never happened. So he makes all things new. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses 17 through 18. It's in this, y'all already know, it's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but for the things, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And actually did a teaching, actually released a prophetic word on that. It's still on my website. You can go and listen to it. it talks about your struggles and why you go through things and all that. Um, but it's on my website under non-Sunday school. And the title for that is The Fight is Over the Light. 
So if you're going through something and you don't understand why, go and listen to that word. The fight is over the light. You don't have to pay for it. It's free. All these replays are on my website to edify you and build you up. So go and get fed if you haven't heard the lesson already. So thank you, Father. Thank you for answering that question. Our next question for you is, what will make us happy? What will make us happy? And if that's your question, the Lord will say to you, my word does not promise happiness. I promise you righteousness, joy, and peace in me. Chasing happiness is bait from the adversary to keep you unstable. Unstable in your relationship with me and unstable in the purpose that I have ordained for your life. Don't take the bait of the adversary. Instead of pursuing happiness, pursue my spirit. Submit and yield to my spirit and all shall be well with you. So if that was your question, then that will be the Lord's response to you. So we're going to give you a scripture. Um, Romans chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. It says, let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. And also I want to point out, so God said he doesn't promise, his, his word doesn't promise happiness. So I want to point out, um, there are a few places in different, di there are different translations of the Bible, okay? So the Bible, just so you know, you may not know, the Bible, the original translation of the Bible, its original manuscript for the Old Testament, it was originally written in all Hebrew. The New Testament was originally written in all Greek. This was thousands, thousands of years ago, right? So those who spoke English couldn't read the Hebrew and the Greek. So now you got all these other translations that came along. Now, some of you, sometimes you'll hear me read from the NASB version because the NASB is actually the closest version to the original Hebrew and Greek without anything extra being added into the Bible. Now, the King James Version of the Bible was not, um, let's see, the King James Version, it wasn't created, I think it's like right the 1800s, but that was a translation of man. That was a translation of a board of men who decided to take God's original manuscript from Hebrew and Greek and translate it into English. So a lot of the trans, the meaning of the, the original Hebrew and what God originally said was mistranslated. And I'm being careful, not careful, mindful how I'm saying this to you because I've heard some preachers say that the King James Version of the Bible is not reliable or whatever. So I, my, my point is the 66 books, that's God's word. But if you want to get the closest thing to what he's saying, read the NASB Version. I like the King James because I don't like other people interpreting God's word for me like the Amplified where they squeeze so much interpretation out of that scripture. So it's no room for Holy Spirit to speak to you because they don't already interpret it. But read however you want to read it, whatever version you want to read, as long as it's the 66 books. But make sure that when you're studying, and we should all be students of the word, we should all be students of the word. I actually had... An experience this week where I was speaking to someone and because God's name, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hung up on the names of God per se. Like I let you 
call God what you want to call him. Call him God, call him Yahweh, call him El, call him Jehovah. As long as that's who he is, I'm not stuck on that. But um, the person made a comment that kind of... Um, um, let's just say they said some God Yahweh. <laughs> so they said some God Yahweh, but because I, I kind of know this person, I didn't think this was what this person really meant. So I asked them what they meant by some God Yahweh. And I knew the person, I don't, that they didn't, they didn't mean any evil intent. I know they just did not know that God's name is Yahweh. But I'm saying that to you because you need to be a student of the word. You need to know the King James version of the Bible, the Amplified, all these other versions of the Bible is not the way the script was originally written. So get you a lexicon. So when you are studying, and I'm making a point because I'm about to tell you what the word happy means that we see in the King James version of the Bible. It, the original translation didn't say happy. So if you read King James, you will think that God wants us to be happy, right? But make sure that when you're studying and you really want to know what God meant in his word, get you a Hebrew lexicon and a Greek lexicon. All right. And so, oh yeah. One of the responses that the person gave me is that um, the Hebrew... You know, if it's not in the English version of the Bible, like they don't believe the Hebrew stuff. Well, this same person, they speak about Zoe. Zoe is not in the English Bible. They speak about Agape. Agape is not in the English Bible. Those are Greek translate. Those are the original Greek, you know, words. So if you believe that, then I know that you also would believe Yahweh. It's just you have to go back and study it yourself. But Yahweh is the name for God. That is the God over Israel. That is the God over us. So I wanted to put that out there. If you don't have a lexicon, what I like to do, you can actually go to BibleHub.com. You can actually go to Google and just put in whatever the scripture is that you want to study. Like if it's Deuteronomy 28 verse 2, just type in Google Deuteronomy 28 verse 2 lexicon. And it'll pull it up where you get the NASB version and you get the lexicon right there beside each other so you can get the closest English version to the original manuscript and you get the original manuscript so you can study so you know what's really in that Bible. And I said all that to say this. So where the Bible, remember God's response to that question was my word does not promise happiness. But if you're reading these in different versions of the Bible, you would think that contradicts his word. But where the Bible uses the word happy in King James and these other versions is actually the Greek word ashar. You can look that up in your lexicon. It's A-S-H-A-R, which actually means blessed, okay? So it doesn't mean God wants you to be happy. It means God wants you to be blessed but you gotta have the right interpretation. And I hope that bless somebody just by finding out like how to study God's word. King James came many, many years later. The original Greek, the original Hebrew, that's the God's original word, untouched, all right? So man interpreted to mean happy. God didn't mean it to mean happy, it meant blessed. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, what we do here, we study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So study, get you a lexicon, get you a concordance if you want commentary on, you know, what the scripture is, but make sure you got you a lexicon so that you can see what the original Hebrew says and what the original Greek says. All right, so I'm not getting all hung up on the names of God, but you at least need to know 
what the name of God is. So you're not insulting God by saying that some God Yahweh, like that's, that, those are fighting. Those are words where, uh, God came against Pharaoh in Egypt, the Egyptians, like some, no, you got to know who God is. You got to know his word. All right. So moving on. Thank you, Father, for answering that question. Thank you for allowing me to speak and teach your sheep how to study your word using the tools that are here for us to study your word. All right. So our next question for you, Father, is why did you create Satan? Why did you create Satan? And the Lord would say to you, if that's your question, he would say to you, I didn't create Satan. I created Lucifer. Lucifer created Satan when he chose to rebel and act as an adversary against me instead of worshiping me. Since he desired to be an adversary, I permitted him to be who he willed to be. So that would be the Lord's response to you if you want to know why he created Satan. He didn't create Satan. Lucifer created Satan. That's, that's his answer. And by the way, Satan literally means adversary. So, all right. So moving on. Isaiah just write these scriptures down. I'm not going to read them, but in your own time, you can go. I'm not And the reason I'm not going to read them is because I'm not about to waste time talking about the devil and Satan. Read these scriptures if you want to know the story about Satan and how he rebelled against God and all of that. All right. So Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15, Ezekiel 28, verses 12 through 19, and Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. So thank you, Father, for that. Our next question for you, Father, is why am I here? Why am I here? If that's your question and you're asking God, why are you here? The Lord will say to you, I created you to be an answer. You are in the earth for a purpose, my purpose, not your own. If you diligently seek my face, I will speak with you and reveal what that purpose is. It is my desire to speak to you great and mighty things you did not know concerning why I formed you in your mother's womb. But I will not speak over the noise in your life. If you really want to know why I formed you, seek my face and I will tell you I am waiting to meet with you. So that will be the Lord's response if you have that question and you're wanting to know why you are here. Thank you, Father, for answering that question. Our next question for you, Father, is... Do you have to actively follow the Bible to get to heaven or can you just be a good person? Do you have to actively follow the Bible to get to heaven or can you just be a good person? If that's your question, then the Lord would say to you, being a good person according to the standards of man will never be enough to reconcile you back to me. All of mankind's goodness combined is as filthy rags in, my, in the presence of my holiness and my righteousness. My word is the only way to get back to me, not your perceived goodness. Follow my word and you will arrive at your intended destination. Follow my word and it will reconcile you back to me eternally. So if that was your question, all right, about how to get to heaven, whether you can get to heaven by being a good person. The answer right there is what God gave you. And I'm going to give you scriptures. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. All right. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you see there, we, we're not saved. We're not saved by works. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. 
For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. And then um, verse 5, not by works of righteousness, which, he, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 28. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God had set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So works, it's not about the works. So thank you, Father, for answering that question for us. Our next question for you, Father, is do you truly love everyone? Do you truly love everyone? If that's your question, the Lord would say to you, I do. I am love. I love my creation so much that I sent my only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross for their sins, even while they were yet sinners. And I did it because I love you all and desire that each and every one of you be reconciled back to me. All right. John chapter three, verses 16 through 18. It says, for God so loved the world. And that word love is agape, which is not in the English Bible. Agape is the Greek the original word that was used right there. So again, study. But for God so loved the world, that means agape. Agape is unconditional love. I'm not going to get into all the different types of love tonight because there are three different kinds of love. But God's love is unconditional. No matter what we do, how bad it was, it does not stop God from loving us. So it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. And it says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All right, so if that was your question about God's love for you, or if God truly loved everyone, then that is your response that God would give you on tonight. 
And those are all of the questions that we have for you, Father, as you know from you know other believers all around this world. So we thank you, Father, for answering those questions according to your heart. Again, thank you for allowing me to be your mouthpiece and amplify, uh, amplifier for your voice um, in this room on tonight to speak your heart to your people, to speak your heart to your sheep. Um, before we close though, I'm gonna go ahead and open up the room um, for those of you who may have questions, if you're on the live, if you're on the Podbean app, uh, just put in the chat if you have questions. Um, let's see, what's the one for Exodus? Did you get your answer, Ms. D? Um, no, the one for Exodus. Refresh, which one for Exodus are you referring to? And while she's um, responding, are there any on the live stream who have any, if you're streaming from my website and you have questions, um, God said, if there are any questions on tonight, you can ask those questions in interview format and he will answer through his Holy Spirit through me on tonight. So if you have questions, put it in the chat. If you're on my uh, website, um, come over to Podbeam, post your question, and we'll let Holy Spirit respond to your question. Oh, why did my loved one have to die? Um, you want me to read his response to that or you just wanted the scripture that I gave? Scriptures, okay, let me go back and check that for you. Why did my loved one have to die? Scrolling back up in my notes. All right, um, you just wanted the Exodus one or you wanted all of the scriptures, um, Ms. D? Exodus, okay. It was Exodus chapter 23, verses 32 through 33. And I broke down that word covenant. I was letting you all know that the word covenant there is actually the Hebrew word berith. Um, you can look it up in your lexicon. Um, but it's the Hebrew word berith, which means to ally with or make an exchange for mutual benefit. Oh, you're welcome. You're very welcome. All right. And did anyone else have any questions on tonight? I'll give you about 60 seconds. If not, we'll go ahead and close in prayer. Yes. Okay. All right. Got another question, Ms. D. What's your question? I got to figure out how to bring you all up to the stage too, so I can, um, chat with you. I'm going to have to test that out with somebody. Why couldn't God just kill Satan? Why couldn't God just kill Satan? I believe he would say that he could if he wanted. Oh, why couldn't God just kill Satan instead of allowing us to suffer? Give me just a moment. Let me get Holy Spirit's response for that.
I believe that the answer that he would give to that, and again, everything that I'm saying to you, you can take it back to God and ask Holy Spirit to confirm to you, you know, what he would say to you about it. But I believe that he, well, first of all, if we look at um, Revelation, there Satan has his time coming. So he was unleashed in this earth only for a particular time frame. His time of causing havoc and causing chaos and trying to steal, kill, and destroy mankind, it only lasts for like a certain amount of time. And then he's going to be judged and locked up in the bottomless pit. That's his judgment. Now, why couldn't God just kill him instead of allowing us to suffer and like allowing him to tempt us? Well, one, God is God is a God who wants us to want to be his people. So he allows us to be tempted by the devil, but even though he allows us to be tempted by the devil in his heart, he wants us to resist those temptations because we love him so much. So it's kind of like um, we went through the lesson. I can't remember which lesson it was, but I was talking about how Satan is actually, he thinks he's winning, but he's really a pawn in the hands of God. So the things that he sends to try to steal, kill, and destroy us is actually like our gem. So he thinks he's hurting us, but God allows him to do things that's actually making us. It's building character because it's making us run to God, seek God, cleave to God. Um, and ultimately, like I said, everything that he tries to do is always going to backfire in his face as long as we keep running to God. So God allow him to come down and be that tempter, but he's hoping that we won't give in to that temptation. And that's why with everything the enemy does to try to tempt us, God always makes a way of escape. And that's in his word. He's just hoping that we will take that way of escape because we love him so much. As far as suffering, um, some of the scriptures that I went through as far as like why, a lot of times why people suffer, that suffering happens when we violate those boundaries that God put into place. So it's not that God wants us to go through those things. He's hoping that we love him so much that we won't do those things. It's going to open us up to be, you know, stolen, killed, and destroyed. Does that make sense? So it's like, even though he could do it, even though he could have killed Satan and all of that, it's like, you are my creation. I want to see how much you love me. Like, yes, he's going to be down there trying to do his thing, but you got to know my word. And I want to know that you love me without me forcing you to love me. Okay, good. So that makes sense. All right. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for answering that question for Ms. D. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for answering any follow-up questions that she may have as well, even in her own um, private time with you, Lord. Right, like when Apostle Paul said, the things I want to do, I do not. Exactly, exactly. And and, and that's the thing, Sister Jamie. So Eli, even with Paul, the things that he wanted to do, it's like that constant struggle in his flesh. But as long as he stayed in the spirit, it's like Holy Spirit helped him to not do those things that he didn't want to do. It's always going to be there, but that's why we got to walk in the spirit we got to be so in love with God and so submitted to his spirit that the devil can be in our ear like a gnat 
and we're just gonna ignore him because we love God so much. It's not that we can't do what we're being tempted to do. Like me, some of y'all know my story. I've been celibate for like 20 something years waiting on my husband. It wasn't that I couldn't go out and have sex and like, you know, have a guy slip me their number and I could get some when nobody knew about it. No, I could do it, but I love God too much to do it. So it's not even, no, uh, no, no, not, not, not doing that. So yeah. All we got to do is just stay submitted to God. And that 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 makes God's heart uh, joyous because he knows that Faiza, she could be out here doing this thing. She could be out here getting numbers and accepting numbers and giving out her number. But she chooses not to because she loves me so much. It's not that Faiza is perfect, but Faiza has a perfect heart towards God. And so when we mess up, when we mess up, like Jamie, okay, so Jamie has a perfect heart towards God. Sister Arlene, Ms. D, you have a perfect heart towards God. When we mess up, and that's why we can use that blood of Jesus and ask for forgiveness and God will justify us as if it never happened, is because God is looking at your heart. Even though you slipped and you messed up, he knew you didn't, you didn't really want to do it. So God judges your heart is perfect. So God just wants to know that our heart is truly for him. Amen. Any other questions, comments, feedback? Give you about 30 more seconds. While I get my music set here. So once we pray, no more questions. Awesome. And I didn't know, Miss D, that you were Arlene <laughs> until recently. I'm like, who is Miss D? She said she listened to Squatting Spirits. Ooh, I don't remember seeing her. <laughs> well, hey, now I know who you are. Blessings. All right. So we are going to go ahead and close out with prayer. And then we're going to close out with this song. Y'all, I am so in love with Toby Max music. This is my brother, our brother from another mother, our brother from another father. But this brother got soul. And I just be riding down the highway jamming to his songs. Um, so we're going to go ahead and close out with prayer. And then we're going to close out with Toby Mac. Um in the song with Toby Mac is going to be everything because God is everything, of course, to us. So let me go ahead and set my music and then we're going to close with prayer. Just a moment. Thank you so much, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you so much for this lesson on tonight. Thank you for allowing us to ask you these questions, Father, and you just giving us your heart um, as you answer these questions for us. I pray that um, if anyone has any more questions, that they'll come to you directly, Father, and your Holy Spirit will answer those questions. Even those who may listen to the replay, if they have any more questions concerning what they've heard, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for answering any questions that they may have, um, even with the replay. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that um, this interview has helped us to get to know God's heart in a better way and God's heart towards us in a better way. Thank you for trusting me, Father, to release those words to your sheep. I thank you that not one word that was spoken fell on deaf ears, but they really received your heart on tonight in the name of Jesus. So I thank you, Father, for um, watching between us um, while we're away from one another. Bless us to come back together again. 
um, for the next lesson next week and even for Friday Night Fire, Father, those of you called to be intercessors and watchmen, watch women on the wall. Um, so we submit this room to you. We submit this lesson to you. We submit this interview for you um, that you have given us and we seal it with the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Sister uh, Arlene. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Let me go ahead and get my music going for you. Set this up. One moment, I'm gonna mute my mic for a second. All right, well, y'all enjoy the song. I'm going to be up clapping my hands and praising. I'm not going to sing it because I don't want to mess up your experience. <laughs> but this is my jam. Um, so y'all have a blessed night. I love y'all. Be blessed.
Good night.